Hello, London, and anybody who might be listening in, welcome to God's Their Child. I'm your host, Larry Onasinia, lead pastor of Spirit Life Christian Center right here in London, Ontario. Today, we will be talking about the importance of faith, hope, and love. So we said last week that faith, hope, and love aren't religious ideas. They are three great forces. In fact, the greatest forces, according to 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, Bible says there now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. I'm going to explain why love is the greatest, all right, as we go on. But I want you to remember that these are keys our Father has given unto us so that we may win. We've got to win, okay? We really have to win. So we talked a bit about faith, a bit about hope, and a bit about love. So we'll do a bit of that, you know, a little more today. Let me begin with hope. We said last week that hope is an anchor. Hope is a goal setter. Sometimes when we teach faith, we unconsciously could undermine the place of hope. And like, hey, you can't just be hoping. Hope will never get you the answer. Faith is a substance. You need the substance. You got to have a substance. And I agree. But faith cannot give substance to anything if hope doesn't set the picture. If hope doesn't set a goal. Imagine if there's um, a basketball game and then there are no nets. If there's a football game and all right, there's no goal line. There's nothing. All right, it's just going to be some bunch of men or kids running around for as long and maybe till they get tired. No goal. So hope sets the goal. Hope says, hey, this is what we're going. This is what we want. And then faith says, let's go for it. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of the things we hope for. So it means we have to hope for something. So hope is a goal setter. Hope is that blueprint. And, and maybe you're there. You're in despair. You, you're hurt. You're disappointed. Ecclesiastics 9 and 4 says, But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. He ends up saying the living dog is better than a dead lion. I know that could sound like, oh, why would he say that? He was only trying to make a point. He was only trying to say, hey, yes, the lion roars and the lion is king of the jungle and all of that. But the dead lion is that, right? Sounds hurtful. But his point here is the dog has a fighting chance to win, to survive. And and I've, I've seen cases where, all right, we, we saw bad things happen to people we thought were better than us. And that just pushed us down some more like, hey, if it could happen to her, if it could happen to him, then who am I? God is saying you are special. Oh, am I better than them? It's not about who's better. It's about who's around to keep fighting, who's around to keep going, who's around to see things get better. And right now that's you. You don't have to give up. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to get into despair. Maybe because the marriage didn't work out like you thought it should. Your job didn't work out like you thought you should. The, your kids didn't turn out like you thought they would. It's not over yet. The contemporary English version says, as long as we are alive, we still have hope. That's the A part, okay? As long as we are alive, we still have hope. And like we read last week, 
David in Psalm 27, 13 says, I would have fainted unless I believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I want you to know that God's not done with you yet. That you woke up to see today, it means you could see better days. It means you could see better weeks. It means you could see better months. And you will. Jeremiah 29, 11 from the New Living Translation says, For I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Oh, but God, there's disaster already. What's the plan? I've come to see through the Bible and also through a few personal experiences that no matter how tough things are on the outside. Remember Isaiah chapter 60? All right. It tells us to arise, to shine, that light has come. But then he says again that darkness will cover the earth. So it means there will be two prophecies playing at the same time. There will be darkness, but then there will be light. If you look all around, you see the darkness, but you have to remind yourself there is light. And the only way to do that is to come over to the word of God and say, hey, this is light. This is my assurance of light. I know you might be listening and like, no, no, so many things have happened. So many hurtful things and so many disappointing things have happened already. And I just think is God, you know, doing this. He's not happy with me. He's not happy with all of us. God is not the enemy. And when you do not know who the enemy is, you can't fight right. You don't fight right. John chapter 10 and 10, make it clear. I said that last week. We have to see that again. The thief, Jesus said, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. It means if anything is stolen, killed, or destroyed, it's the enemy. It's the enemy. Jesus' mission statement is to give you life. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And, and it's amazing to think. Remember, Jesus said that the kingdom divided against itself, the house divided against itself would not stand. Do you remember that, right? So if we think God is the one putting the sicknesses on us, and then Jesus comes over to take away the sickness, and then God is putting the sickness on us, and Jesus is coming to take away the sickness, I think that looks like a divided house. But God and Jesus are on the same team. Acts 10, 38 again, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. So that's the Trinity right in one verse. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And he says, Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So we see Jesus in the healing business and the devil is the one oppressing people. Once again, a verse in the Bible that shows you who the enemy really is. It's not God. God is not trying to make you sick. Jesus hung on the cross to get you healed. God is not trying to make you messed up. Jesus hung on that cross and took away our pain, took away our sorrow. So God wants you well. God wants you to win. But then the enemy makes us think and, and you know, reminds us, for instance, of the book of Job in Job chapter 1, verse, you know, 21. And then Job 
you know, said naked I came and then naked will I go. The Lord gave and the Lord took and hey, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you see, hey, see that. And then the 22nd verse says, in all of this, Job didn't sin and Job did not charge God foolishly. So hey, God took. I might need to let you know that if you look through the Old Testament, they had very little revelation of the operations of the devil. So as far as they were concerned, God did everything. Every bad stuff was God. So God tolerated that level of ignorance. And then Jesus comes and Jesus says, no, that's not God. This is not God. This is not God because Jesus, Hebrews 1 tells us, is the exact image of the Father. He came to do good. You say, well, that was Jesus when it was, you know, walking the streets of Galilee. But Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm saying all this so that you may have hope. I'm saying all this so that you might be encouraged. I'm, I'm saying all this so that you might realize, hey, God loves me. He's not trying to harm me. And I, I need to say also that there are two kinds of hope. And we see that in Romans chapter 4, when the Bible was talking about Abraham in the 18th verse. It says, using the King James, Abraham, contrary to hope, believed in hope. There were two kinds of hope. I'll finish the verse. It says, Abraham, who contrary to hope, believed in hope, so that he might be the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall his descendants be. Let, let me read to you the New Living Translation. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So there are two kinds of hope. There is a natural hope hinged on situations and circumstances, government policies and promises, you know, just things happening all around. But then there is the hope that comes only from something that God tells us. When one is hopeless, when one, when the natural says it can't be done, God's whole translation says when there was nothing left to hope for, all right, the passion translation says against all odds when it looked hopeless. So there are times when it looks hopeless, but Abraham looking at his physical body and Sarah's physical body saw hopelessness. That might be what you're seeing right now, but their child of God, it's not hopeless. Take your eyes off the things you're looking at that would continue to give you hopelessness or make you feel hopeless and switch like Abraham to the word of God. I'll read the Passion Translation that verse, Romans 4 and 18. It says, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. This is what God will have you and I to do in this season. It will get darker in the world, but when we come to the word of God, there is light. You and I get into the word and we see light. This is the importance of hope, all right? This is the importance. And when we hope this way, faith kicks in. What does faith do? Faith will give substance to the things we hope for. Faith will say, I believe I have a future. And faith begins to declare. 
Mark 11, 23, for instance, Bible says there, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and will not doubt in his heart, but believe that whatever he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. So hope says, I believe that all will be well. I trust that my future will be fine. Faith takes it further and says, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm declaring this. All is well with me. All is well with me. But your head goes, it's hopeless. Your circumstances, your body, your pocket, your finances screaming. It's hopeless. Your marriage is shouting, hopeless. But faith goes, I believe. Mark 11, 23 says, if I believe and I should say, so I believe, so I'm going to say. So we've seen the power of faith. We see the power of hope. And love binds it all together. Because if you're not sure, if you're not certain that God loves you, your faith's not going to work. The enemy will come try whispering to you and telling you, listen, look at all the messes you've made. Look at your life. You're just so washed up. Oh, you've taken up drugs. You've had a broken marriage. You've lost three relationships. Nothing is working for you. God doesn't even want to hear your voice right now. And he might be able to quote a couple of verses to you. Remember, when he was tempting Jesus, he quoted Psalm 91. So he would quote some verses and say, hey, God doesn't want to hear your voice, you're a sinner, and all of them kind of stuff. But he would not remind you about the prodigal son like we call him. He won't tell you that God looks for, you know, longs to hear your voice. He won't want to tell you that God has a plan for you. The devil doesn't want you to hear that. He wants you to sink in depression and wallow in bitterness and throw more pity parties for yourself. He doesn't want your faith to work because he doesn't want you to see that great future ahead of you. So my faith, your faith will work the more we know that God loves us. God loves you. Before you took your first step, before you did any first good thing, Jesus already died for you. And he died not just to take you to heaven, but to give you victory here in this life. I believe that blessed you so, so much. And I trust that you're encouraged. So yeah, I mean, till I come again your way next week, remember that you are God's dear child and victory belongs to you. Don't forget, if you want this teaching and any other teaching or any information about our church right here in London, Ontario, do visit our website, www.spiritoflife.no, <laughs> Have a blessed week. Bye-bye. 